Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well... Most every one of the churches I've been a part of has, has, well, someone like that. Someone who is in the church, and people come and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> Maybe they don't say that out loud, but somehow they think, you know, how did this person come to church? Uh, I, I, in several of the churches I've been a part of, uh, people have come through the door, and, and I've spent some time with them, I've gotten to know them, and, but when other people see them, they're like, Whoa. In Arizona, it was a guy named Mike who was one of the crassest guys I met on the fire department. And, uh, and, and the place we served in Chicago, it was, it was Debbie. And, uh, and Debbie, I got to know Debbie through, well, my barber. <laughs> my barber was just down the, the street from me, and, and I went to him. And, and uh, he was just an interesting character. It was kind of like a smokestack in there. But I uh, uh, made some connection with him and talked with him. And he... Uh, he said, you know, Rick, you're the best darn preacher in town. I said, well, thanks, Ron. <laughs> You've never been to my church. <laughs> I can just tell. <laughs> so, well, Ron eventually shows up and, and says something similar. I think it meant that he liked me. Uh, but he brings Debbie, and Debbie would sometimes be in his shop, and she just was, she was a little odd. And, and, uh, but she started coming to church as well, and... Um, June, who was uh, one of the, the pillars of our church, she, uh, she'd served on the church village board for years, and, and she knew about Debbie. Uh, most people in the town, and at least in some kind of leadership, knew about Debbie because she just she had problems. She, she, there was poverty things. There was some substance abuse things. And, and uh, she just, well, they knew about her. And when, uh, when Debbie showed up at church, June's like, what is she doing here? And... Uh, but then June, who loved the Lord, says, you know what? God gets a hold of all kinds of people's lives. And, and uh, that's one of the beautiful things. Uh, we've been looking at the, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And, and today, in our story we look at in chapter 3, we're going to run into someone who it's also going to be surprising to see what the Lord does to him. Because this is going to be a guy who, well, he was lame from birth could never walk, and so much so that uh, having grown up, and we discover later in chapter 4 that he's about 40 years old, and so for lots of his life, he's not been able to do anything. His friends bring him to this particular place by the temple in Jerusalem so he could beg for money, and that's what he did. Uh, at this point in the story in Acts, we've gone through chapter 2 where we've seen the Spirit come on the, the disciples and they begin speaking in other tongues and telling people about the wonders of God. And people are like, this is amazing. These people, I'm hearing them in my own language. And, and then Peter got up and spoke about the Lord Jesus and how God was doing something and, and quoting from the book of Joel how God had, had said all these things were happening, these signs and waters. This is what God has been doing. And now you're seeing it in front of you and it's exact things that, that, that God said through David was going to happen. And last week we looked at uh, 
that, that great passage in chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, which talks about the church and how they, they shared things in common. They, they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the word and, and to gathering together in the breaking of bread. And what do we do with that? How do, how do we live this on? And one of the beautiful things about the Acts of the Apostle, we get to see the church as it develops and grows into what it means to follow Jesus. And so that's what we look at in Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn there. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen behind me. Acts chapter chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John. Peter and John were... A couple of the main guys, Peter, James, and John, were the the big three in terms of Jesus' disciples. And Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, As as we start off this story, Peter and and John are, well, they're they're doing what it said they were doing in chapter 2. They were going to the temple. They were praising the Lord. They were gathering in times of prayer. And they would do this in this very public place. At this time, the movement of following Jesus is still a very Jewish thing. All the disciples have Jewish backgrounds and, and have been raised up as good Jewish boys. And, and so part of what they did was they worshiped the Lord at the temple. They're still in Jerusalem. They've not yet branched out of there. We'll remember and we'll see later on in the book the, how the fulfillment in Acts chapter 1-8 where, where Jesus says to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Well, we're not there yet. We're still in Jerusalem. And we're still amongst Israelites. And they're going to pray. And there's this guy. And uh, the text indicates that he's had a group of friends who every day bring him to the gate so that he can get money. He, at this point in his life, he's, he's grown. And again, we learn later in chapter 4 that he's 40 years old or so. And, and people have seen him. He comes to this place every day. Peter and John may have seen him before. And, and, and this day as they're walking, he sees them and, and cries out to them, asking for mercy and pity and asking, as the text says, for money. And Peter does something very interesting, as does John. He looks right at him. That may not seem like much. It feels like maybe a throwaway sentence there. Okay, yeah, they're talking to him. They look at him. But let's think about this. This This is a beggar. If you've been in any cities, you've, well, you've seen beggars. 
uh, maybe by the sides of the highways or if you're walking in some of the, uh, the downtown areas. And, and, and many people, as they walk by, beggars will do the exact opposite of looking at them. Uh, they will find ways to avoid them. And if you know someone's going to be there, maybe you walk the other side of the street or whatever, but don't make eye contact. Do not make eye contact. But they made eye contact. Both of them looked at him, looked directly at him, and then said, look at us. Which again may feel like a throwaway sentence, right? Okay, why include that? But picture the dynamics of this. He's 40 years old, we'll discover. He's been in this situation for a long time. And he has a perspective on himself. In a world, and this is much of the world that we live in, that's defined by success. It's defined on some level by our productivity. If you can produce, you are worthwhile and valuable. You have value if you can do lots of things. And, and this guy, in many of our world structures, would have no value. And, and to look directly at someone, uh, uh, there would be... There would be shame. There would be, I don't deserve. I'm nothing. And Peter and John look right at him and said, look at us. And, and so he, his picture is, okay, what am I going to get here? <laughs> and Peter says to him, in, in this it's in the midst of expectancy, is he going to lay a whole bunch of money on me? Peter says, Silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Jesus of Nazareth, walk. <laughs> Can you imagine his, his th- thinking process? Like, did I hear you right? <laughs> what did you say? But before there's any chance for discussion about this, he reaches his hands and picks them up. And the guy stands, and he's walking. And he's not just standing and walking. What does the text say? He jumps to his feet, began to walk, and then he's walking and jumping and praising God. What a scenic spectacle he's making. Right? This is the temple. It's the time of prayer. People are coming there, and they've walked by this gate much of their life. And there's, yep, there's the guy. He's been there for decades now. Wait a minute. What's going on here? Is, is that? No, it can't be him. It is him. And he's jumping and he's praising God and, and making a ruckus. And, and people are noticing and seeing. Uh, one of the first things I want to note about this is as Peter and John are, are walking to the temple to pray, an opportunity comes before their very eyes. And they looked at him, and he looked back, and they took an opportunity. And sometimes in life, and sometimes even in ministry, we can be so task-oriented that we, meet, we miss right in front of us opportunities that are ripe for the picking uh, There was a study done some years back, uh, uh, some, some students who were, were 
in the process of, of discovering and training for ministry, and, and the teacher had set them up. He said, okay, different groups of them, you need to be at this building on our campus at this time. And some of them had uh, five minutes to make a six-minute walk, and others had 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and others had 30 minutes or even an hour to get there. And, and what the teacher had done is he had set up all kinds of people along their path that had needs, needs that they could help. Maybe it was a, a crying woman who was, was distraught about something or someone uh, who, who needed help getting up or being crossed the street or there, were, there was something in front of them that, was, that they would discover. And, and, and what they looked at is that depending on how much time it took them or that they had to get across the campus, uh, it was a diminishing amount <laughs> If they had little time, no one stopped. It's like, ah, I can't help you. I got no time for that. And those who had more leisurely place, they, they were more prone to, to stop and help the person that was in front of them. And, and as they brought the results to the students and told them what they had done, again, why are you here at this campus to learn how to minister to people? And sometimes we're going to face a decision. Do I, do I get there on time or do I help the person who's right in front of me, even if it's going to cost me something? Peter and John, they were on their way to prayer, but they stopped and they looked and said, look at us. And through the power of the Spirit, Peter says, I don't have, I don't have any money. I got something else. By the power of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Well, the story goes on from there. In verse 11, it says, While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colony. Let me just stop there. Can you, can you picture this? Uh, uh, say I, Paul Jarrett's there, and, and, and say I healed him, and, and, and he's... he's jumping and praising God, and, and then wherever I go, he's hanging on to my arm, and we're going here, and he's just hanging on. I, I walk over here. He's right with me. I walk over there, and he's just, it's like, oh, and, and everywhere that I go, he goes, because he's just, I mean, there's just a little bit of humor there. He's just so excited. This is what God has done to me, and, and he shoes these guys. Oh, my goodness, and and people are seeing this and catching What What is this guy doing? And, and they're astonished. They're like, What? And, and a little commotion happens, and that builds a bigger commotion. You know how crowds work. You, you see something happen, and people are gathered. Well, what is it? I, I want to see what's going on there. And, and more people gather, and they're like, wait a minute. That's the guy. We've been going by him for years. He's walking. Was he faking all this time? No. He's, how did this happen? And, and so they're looking at Peter and John. they got to be miracle workers. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? And why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. 
By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So... Peter, now in his, his second larger discourse here in, in Acts, takes this opportunity and, and, and as he's speaking with them, he, they, he, he, he's, they saw this opportunity of, of, of ministering to this guy who needed help and, and looked at him through God's eyes, through the things that this is his life and this is how it's been, but, but now begin to address the crowd and tell them the whole story. All right, you're looking at this. You're seeing all this has happened, and you're like, oh, these guys, they must be special. No, it's not about us. Don't look at us. It's not us. We don't have this power. It's Jesus. Remember this guy, this Galilean that you heard about? The guy that was killed just about 50 or 60 days ago? This is Jesus, and God has appointed this Jesus. That was the Son of God. You killed him. You know, maybe not the kindest way to talk to your audience. But they did. And he recites for them, uh, recognizing that, that when Jesus was brought to trial in this very city within the last two months, the people cried out, crucify him! Pilate wanted to let him go. Like, I, 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 I said, you know what, I... You know, it's, it's, it's around your Passover. Here's a tradition you guys have. I, you know, we let someone go, and, and, uh, and I can let Jesus go. You know, he's, he, clearly he's not a threat. He's, he's like, no, give us Barabbas, that murderer. Give us Barabbas. And so Jesus was killed because they, they wanted that. Pilate thinks he washes his hands of this. But he allows that to continue and go on. Uh, they are culpable <laughs> in Jesus' death because they asked for it. But then he turns in and says, you know what? That happened. That happened. But God was using all of these things. God knew all of these things and was using them. He, he foretold them. He's already quoted from Joel in a previous message he gave before the people and, and, and the Psalms. And, and now he, he brings into their midst the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis 12, when, when God called Abraham, 
He tells him in, in chapter 12, verse 3, all nations will be blessed to you, as, at, through you. As God draws Abraham, Abram at the time, to the place where he's going to be, there's a promise of what God is going to do through Abraham and his people. And now it finds its culmination in Jesus. And Peter's saying, this is, this is now a done deal. And, 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 and what's your response? This is what you need to do. Repent and turn to God. Turn from the path you've been on, from the sinful things that you've been doing. Walk away from them and turn towards God. Begin walking towards him, following him with your lives. And in that last verse there, when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. As Peter talks to the people, he gives them, well, the whole story. That Jesus came and he talked about God's kingdom and, and there was great stories and he healed all kinds of people. But then you killed him. Again, that's a little bit edgy. <laughs> but this is God's plan. But now there's, there's an opportunity to respond for you. What are you going to do with that? The call is to repent, to listen to him. The times of refreshing might come to you by knowing and being restored to relationship with God. As Peter brings the message, he understands the audience he has, right? He understands he's talking to Jewish people. Why? Because he's at the temple. <laughs> they, they know about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They, this is they are their forefathers. They would look at them and hold them highly but now he makes the connection that Jesus is the fulfillment and the culmination of all that God had promised, starting through Abraham. We're told through the other prophets, including Samuel, this is God's work. And now it's before you. What will you do? You've seen the lame man. How can you, tell, how can you miss him? He's hanging on to me. I can't move anywhere without this guy hanging on to me. You've seen this. It's not because I have power. It's God. This is a demonstration of God because he still works. And for us in our life, I think there's a couple things for us to take from this. One is, is as, again, looking for opportunities, understanding that they're before us. But also as we give the story of what Jesus has done, to understand who we're talking to and, and the things that they understand and they know, to make points that make connection with them. And as we tell the story, to remind them and let them know this happened. N.T. Wright tells a story in one of his commentaries. He says, there was once a young man who sneaked into church hoping nobody else would notice him. The only reason he'd come was because he was keen on a girl who sang in the choir. And he hoped that if he was in the service, he'd be able to see her at the end of the service and ask her out. He wasn't quite sure what to do in the church, but he just saw people going in and sitting down, so he did the same. Well, as the service was beginning, uh, an usher came up to him. Uh, excuse me, he said, uh, the person who's supposed to do the reading hasn't turned up. Could you possibly do it? It's like, <laughs> The young man was horrified. <laughs> and then, then thinking quickly, wait a minute. That girl in the choir, 
she'll see me doing this reading. All right. So, so he says, all right, I'll do it. And he looks at the passage and reads it really quickly. And, and it came to the moment he went up and opened the Bible and began to read. It, w- it was from John's Gospel, and he vaguely recognized it. Anyone who doesn't enter the sheepfold by the gate, he heard his own voice say, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. He was thunderstruck. <laughs> this is what he'd done. <laughs> he was standing here pretending to be a Bible reader, a regular Bible reader, when in fact he'd only come in to meet a girl. <laughs> he forced himself to go on, aware that uh, his heart was beating loudly and Well, if he was a bandit uh, coming in under false pretenses, what was the alternative now? I am the gate for the sheep, said Jesus. The bandit only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it to overflowing. And suddenly something happened inside this young man. He stopped thinking about himself. He stopped thinking about the girl, about the congregation, about the fact that he'd done a ridiculous and hypocritical thing. He thought about Jesus, and unaware of the shock he was calling, he swung around to the the pastor who was leading the service, and he says, is this true? Did he really come so that we could have real life, real full life like that? And the the pastor smiles. Of course it it is, he replied, very unfazed by this uh, non-liturgical outburst. That's why we're all here. Come and join in this next song and see what happens if you really mean it. And the young man found himself swept off his feet by the presence and the love of Jesus, filling him, changing him, calling him to follow like a grateful sheep. After the shepherd who can be trusted to lead the way to good pasture by day and safe rest at night, he got much, much more than he bargained for. I I, I love that story because... uh, well, I can identify it on some, with it on some level, but uh, <laughs> here he's thinking he's going to do one thing, and into his plan for the day, God interjects himself and says, hey, I got a text for you. Have I got a text for you, you thief? <laughs> and as he comes to grip with this and turns to that pastor, and God bless his heart for, for just smiling and walking through this, Is this true? Yes, it is. We have these stories in Scripture. The acts of the apostles are there as witnesses to what happened. This was immensely important to them. Judas had died as part of the 12 disciples, and so they needed someone to take his place. So uh, in chapters 1 and the end of chapter 1, they replace him with Matthias, and his criteria had to be he was with us from the beginning, from when Jesus was baptized by John till he ascended into heaven. They had to have seen it all because we're witnesses. We've seen it, and so when we testify it, we're not making something up that we heard from someone else. This is what happened. And when we have the text of the scriptures in the New Testament, it was important, it was essential for them, for these writings to have a connection either to the apostles themselves or one of their disciples so that we could have a record of what had happened. Is this true? Yeah, this is true. And the power of God working is true. 
and worked in this lame man's life through Peter. It wasn't Peter, it wasn't John, it was God. And it's the same God that we come before this day asking for him to do works in our lives, but also to work as we interact with others because we have a message Because God has called us to him. We've come to know him. And as we live the life as described at the end of chapter 2 of uh, of being attentive to the apostles' teaching, of of having fellowship with one another in the word and, and breaking bread, remembering Jesus, God wants to continue to do his work in and through us. For us to have our eyes open to the opportunities that he places before us. Two, as the writer of First uh, Peter says, to always have a reason for the hope that we have and to do this with gentleness and respect. This is our message. This is our call. And it's not because we're bright and perfect. It's because of the power of God. That's our calling. Trust him, follow him, because God has done a work for us in Jesus. And he's done a work in us as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives and and, and we become more and more like him in our lives and our choices and our decisions. But he also does a work through us by his power, by his spirit. What is God calling you to? Who is God placing in front of you? Uh, you may think back to this past week or month and say, oh, there is opportunities I missed. Well, maybe you did. But what about the next one? To walk with the Spirit of God and to be open-eyed. What is he calling me to today? Who is he calling me to today? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thank you for thank you for this lame man. And and Lord, to enter into his story and and recognize so much of his conscious life was was filled with his condition and, and defined by his condition. And yet at some point, you use his condition to communicate a message to him that he has value and has always had value, but also that you do a work and to show up in front of hundreds of others coming to a place of worship that they might see and know this is true. Is it true? Lord, you've spoken to us. And yet sometimes we walk in our world not acting like it's true. Spirit of God, move within us. May we walk with faith in our days, knowing that you are true, that you are powerful, and that you continue to look for people to draw them to yourself. And you've called us to this task until the day you come for come again to set things to right. This is our faith. This is our hope. We trust in you because it's true. Amen. God bless you this day.
Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.